My name is Trish Ware, and I am obsessed with all things pregnancy and birth, and helping you to navigate both the practical and the magical seasons of this journey called motherhood. I'm an all-day coffee-sipping mama of seven. I've had the amazing privilege of delivering many babies in my 15-plus year career as a labor and delivery nurse and as a mama of seven. I'm here to help you take the guesswork out of childbirth so you can make the choices that are right for you and your baby. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not replace your medical advice. Check out our full disclaimer at the bottom of the show notes. Hello, everyone. I am so excited about today's topic. We are going to break down mom guilt. So if you're pregnant, don't worry. You probably are already experiencing it anyway, so you may just not have named it yet. But I promise at some point you will experience if you haven't yet. And today's guest is Anna, and she is from Chicago's Family Doulas. I hope I just said that right. Chicago Family Doulas, yes. Awesome. I got tongue-tied for a minute. (laughs) Anyway, Anna is going to be with us, and we're just going to have a conversation about mom guilt, because unfortunately, it plays a huge role in your journey, and I've been a mama for a very long time. And I really don't know any other moms who haven't experienced it in one form or fashion. So welcome, Anna. Can you just tell everyone a little bit about you, your journey into motherhood, and owning your own business? Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much for letting me be on here, Trish, and talk to your amazing mamas that you have built this incredible community. I'm so appreciative. Yeah, so I own Chicago Family Doulas. It's a full-service doula agency in the Chicagoland area. So we have labor doulas, postpartum doulas, childbirth educators. And I actually was a special ed teacher before um, starting my doula career. Um, I've been a doula now for about 14 years. And I started my business um, pretty much while I was pregnant with my first realizing how incredibly amazing um, doulas are. And yeah, it was just a life changing situation for me. But yes, absolutely. My mom guilt started in pregnancy. (laughs) And it's a I would say it's a daily multiple times a day, internal dialogue that I have about should I feel bad about this or should I stand my ground about this? And and it's pretty amazing that I've been able to connect with so many moms over the years. Our agency's grown quite a bit and we have about 150 doulas. So that means I have this awesome opportunity to support thousands of moms every single year, which is you know, I hear a lot. <laughs> and I talk a lot of moms down from all their big feelings. <laughs> yes, I totally get you. I was just saying to my mamas, which I was telling you before we started recording, that inside my membership, we're on our own app and I can go live inside of there. And so can my team. 
And so I found myself the last week or two going live first thing in the morning and just hanging out with some of these mamas as we're getting ready for work and getting ready for our days. And I have hung out with postpartum mamas more in the last couple of years as a labor nurse than I ever have because we recover you and we send you on your merry way after two hours. So up until recently, my experience with postpartum has mostly been like anyone else who's had a baby because I've had six. So it's just been a, a postpartum mom. So I have learned so much from my community. So this morning, speaking of, I told my mamas that I was going to be hanging out with you and talking about mom guilt. And we had a really amazing conversation. So I'm super excited about some of the things you and I are going to talk about so I guess I want to dive right in and just get to those things. So why don't you explain to everyone what exactly is mom guilt and why do most partners or fathers not experience it? Yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> so mom guilt is this overwhelming feeling of anxiousness, not being enough, guilt, <laughs> just yeah. feeling bad about what we can't accomplish or that our interactions with our kiddos weren't the best and we weren't 100% in everything that we did. And it usually revolves around kids, <laughs> your children, but it could also be household stuff. It could also be not cooking dinners that are amazing and consistent, really all the things that change from all the roles that change from being not a parent to a mom. So I think it looks similar in a lot of ways for most people. It's just feeling bad and overwhelmed and not good enough, but it could also look like anxiety. It could also look like defeat. <laughs> so I think there's varying levels. The postpartum side of the community took us by surprise. So we've done a lot of research and put a lot of heart and soul into it. And I think with mom guilt and spe specifically, there's this sense of I, I'm not being perfect or I'm not doing all the right things. I'm going to cause future harm or not do enough for this child. And I think there's also a friend that comes along with that guilt, which is shame. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're like best buddies, like hand in hand. I'm guilty. Now I'm shameful. And you're right. Like it morphs and it changes minute by minute sometimes. One minute you're fine telling your kids like go watch a TV program. I need some time alone. And then you're like, oh, my God, I should have spent time with them. Like why did I need time alone? And then you're like, I need more time alone because if I don't have time alone. And it's like this thing. So – why, like, why do our husbands, why do the fathers not feel this way? Yeah, I think it's so complicated, but I feel like social pressures, social expectations, and those cause expectations that they have of themselves. I just had this conversation with my husband the other day. He 
texted my 13-year-old two times in a day, and he said, me and Jules have been communicating all day. And I was like, oh, really? That's awesome. What were you guys talking about? And he's like, yeah, just different things. And then I look at my daughter's phone, and I'm, as we're talking, I'm like, oh, it's awesome. You were chatting with your dad today? She's like, no. What are you talking about? I just <laughs> texted him back twice. And into my, in my husband's eyes, that was enough. And that was a good relationship with our 13-year-old, who I intentionally have conversations in the car. I'm like, please put your phone away. Let's talk. Let's chat about the day because that's when I have her captive. (laughs) But even with that, I'm like, okay, I talked to Jules for only 17 minutes today. That's not enough. I'm like calculating what is enough. Yeah. And for him, enough was literally two text messages. And I with six six words. words. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting, like the expectations that I think our partners, especially husbands, put on themselves versus what we put on ourselves. Much lower, probably. Yeah. And then society is making a joke about this the other day, but my husband will take the kids to the park once a month and he gets 20 compliments. (laughs) Like, oh wow, that's so great that you're involved. And oh, that's nice. Where's your wife? What do you what is she doing? And yeah. I don't know if anyone has ever told me that, even if I take them to the park every single day. Nobody's been like, like where job. is your, yeah. No. Okay. So funny that you said that because I asked, I had gone over some of the things that you sent and some of the things that I wanted to ask you. And I, so my, a little bit of my backstory, I was married for a very long time to one person, no longer married to him, married to the most incredible human I have ever met in my life. And he's never been married, never had kids. Along comes me with oh, seven. Wow. That's already amazing. You got I, me there. I, yeah, I had my last at 42. When him and I started talking, he was, oh, is that your grandchild? No, that's mine. <laughs> So surprise, surprise, you get to raise a child or two and a teenage girl and a teenage girl, which he's incredible. He's done an amazing job. But that being said, I think he communicates in a way that I've never experienced. My father did not communicate the way that he does. He communicates. He tells me what he's feeling, how he's feeling. Sometimes he com- he's communicates his feelings way better than I do. But that, and so we were talking this morning about this when I was asking my mamas, and we were saying, agreed with what you said. There's so many more expectations from other women like you said it's not other dads coming up asking him where's the mom why are you oh, a thousand it's percent, women yes <laughs> so it's coming from other women and the other thing is we are typically built to be nurturers built to be the carers and our husbands a lot of times see things less emotionally and more logically And so I think for Steve, when we are having a situation or a discipline thing or whatever, he's able to not take it personally or emotionally. And and I would say he 100% parents with, we've been together three years now and Grayson was, he's going, he's eight now. So we've been together for a while and he still 
stays a lot less emotional than I do in the situation. And I can't tell you big or small. I'm like, oh my God, this is because of me. I failed. I shouldn't have done, I shouldn't have let him watch that YouTube show. I should not have done this. I should not have, I'm way back. And he's just very logical and move forward. And, and so we were talking about this in the community that we're different. Like how we approach situations are different. But you, the whole park thing triggered one thing we talked about. And that was one thing that's bothered me from the get-go. And I started my journey very young. But why is it that when I want to go somewhere, it's I need to get a babysitter. But when our husbands want to go somewhere, oh, yeah. like they just go. They yeah. don't have to get a babysitter. Exactly. And they don't say, my wife's watching the kids for me to go out tonight or any of that stuff. Like we have to say, oh, yeah, my husband's watching the kids so I can do this tonight or whatever. It's just a weird, it's a weird thing. So I was telling my girls, have those conversations while you're pregnant. Figure those things out. We didn't do that. We didn't have those conversations. We set ourselves up for some of those. So we just got off on a whole nother podcast episode topic. Absolutely. No, I think that all the time I say it to my husband, I'm like, it's funny, you leave or go to work or go upstairs to take a shower. You don't have to make that announcement to anyone. But when yeah. I do any of those things, hey, I need to run to the gas station really quickly, or I'm going to walk across the street to my mom's, I have to make those announcements and I have to figure out all the logistics of things. And I say have to, and now I'm like questioning myself, but those are, that's what I think a lot of families set up for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that perpetuates this mom guilt of it all falls on us. And if things aren't perfect, then we have to fix it as opposed to mm -hmm. it's this entire family's responsibility to figure things out and to, yeah. and you're right. It's certainly something that you talk about ahead of time. And then it's these ongoing conversations. And yeah, one of my friends works with a therapist and she was saying that her and her husband, and I think this is just a strategy that probably a lot of therapists use where they like write down everything that needs to happen in the household, all the tasks that need to be done. And they look at it and say, okay, which parts of these are my true responsibility and you can't do? <laughs> and then what parts are your responsibility? And then how do we divide up the rest of the things? And it really creates this awareness of responsibility that I think just a lot of partners don't necessarily have. And it all just perpetuates this feeling of not being yeah. enough because we're trying to be so much. Right. Yeah. And the other thing that I was talking to them about this morning, one of the first workshops we had, because as you came in and did a workshop, we do weekly workshops in the community on all sorts of topics from trying to conceive. We've had fertility specialists all the way to about one to two years postpartum. One of them was accepting imperfect help. And that was really, for me, I'm eight years postpartum. <laughs> for me, that was really good to hear because I have a really hard time with just doing it all because I do it quick and good and fast and I get it done. And so I would say that 
and, and I was telling them that even my husband is so sweet. He makes the bed almost every weekday. And I have a lot of stuff on my bed. Like I, I got a lot of stuff. And a lot of times he'll leave some things off. And a few times I've been like, why didn't you put those on? He's because you always fix them or say something about them. And I was like, oh, well, I'm still struggling with this. So for those of you guys listening, like really get in a habit of accepting help that's not as good as you would do in your, don't say that out loud, it, just accept it. And I think that too in the parenting realm a lot of times, like we've had this baby, or and I have a daughter who's adopted as well. So I, I was the same way with her. I felt like I could just do it better and quicker, and I just instinctively knew what I was doing, and so I just did it. And I think that we have to hand off the care, and it, as long as it's safe, that's important. As long as someone's doing something safe, namely your partner, let them do it their way. So what if they do the diaper? As long as the poo-poo is not going to come out everywhere and everything's good and they're safe, then let them do it their way. Even if it's the strangest way you've ever seen anyone put a diaper on, it's okay. You know, because you never know. I've seen some right? weird stuff in the labor room. You know, I'm the one. I'm the one that's usually teaching partners how to do that first diaper change. So. I always just, I just really say, let them do it their way. And the more critical you are, the more you don't accept their help the way they're bringing it, the more insecure they get, and they're just going to stop doing it. And then you're doing more. And I think you bring up a huge point. This starts immediately. And those habits with both parents, say that both parents are off of work, if there are two parents, for two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, whatever it is, that you have two people there learning and growing together. And if in that time, with all that help, you're taking it all on, not letting them do things, that's the pattern that gets set up for... And, and you will resent it. And you will resent it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whether it's you're noticing it right away... Or even five years from now, what whatever it is, there will be like a breaking point where it's, wait a minute, I have too much stress and no wonder I can't be perfect or I have all this guilt about all this stress. I'm doing way too much. Yeah, I've had some really good friends point that out to me and help me. And I think that's a big part of what we need <laughs> as women as really good friends that are like, yeah, why are you doing all to those speak things? truth? You know? Yeah. I've gotten myself exactly. in trouble being that person because sometimes the truth comes out really <laughs> fast and unfiltered. And so I've had to learn with age and wisdom to slow it down and cushion it with love. But yes, I get what you're saying. Uh, so moving on with that. So one of the things that we have to figure out because especially for mamas now who are pregnant, who are having babies, especially compared to when I had my older kids, there wasn't social media. There wasn't these. Even now, like there's this reverse flip thing of glorifying postpartum, the hard side of postpartum where they're showing their stretch, their net panties and the realities where they're showing the realities, 
but it's still a posed picture that has a good filter and yes she may it may be in the real of it but a lot of moms they can even take a picture or post it at this point because they're struggling and I think it's really important to have barriers and boundaries I guess I'm trying to figure out what point I'm getting to I just want you guys to protect what you let in and where you get your information and your guidelines as to what type of mom you should be and the rules or the standards I guess is what I'm saying would you agree with that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I hear you. It's coming from social media. It's coming from your friends. It's coming from, you know, your friend or your friend's sister who had a baby and their baby slept nine hours at night mm-hmm. from the day they were born. It's coming from all those different places. We're putting, we're pulling it all in and being like, this is what I should feel like. And then this is what I should be doing. And my friend was up and working out again after a week. Mm -hmm. Why can't I do that? Or my friend's house looks perfect. Mm -hmm. I should do that. And then it also comes from our past. I, I think back and I think a lot of my guilt comes from the fact that my mom was a stay at home mom and she did. She made breakfast, lunch, and dinner for us every night, every day. She was super Mm -hmm involved and just really amazing. She was a great mom, yeah. but I'm a great mom too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just teaching different things. It's when my kids were sick and my mom would be like, well, you can't go to work. And I'm like, she has a little cold. Yeah. Like I have to go to work. I'm a teacher. This is the first day of school. Like I, I'm very heavily relied on. She'll be sicker at some point. Yeah. And I'll want to stay home for that, but she barely has a cold. And so it's, yeah, just people, my sister's a stay-at-home mom also, which... I've done both. So I can 100% say both is hard. And now now I'm doing both at once. Both are hard. Yep, me too. (laughs) And so I'm the one that drives the kids to school, picks them up. So what we're doing right now is bringing you to a deeper level of mom guilt because what our mothers say to us brings us mom guilt as moms. So what you're saying to your children right now will be in their brains and bringing them mom guilt. So be careful. (laughs) It's like a double whammy because my mom too, like totally. there are things that, yeah, and that's just me and my therapist break this down every week. But there are, but so to get away from that, forgive yourself, love yourself. Because one thing that I have learned is your children forgive you and love you so much. And the most valuable thing that I think my children and I have given each other is room to make mistakes and to say I'm sorry and be genuine about it. I can't tell you guys how many times I have gone to my children and I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I I made a shit move right there and I'm sorry. And The other thing I've said when they say things, like you said your mom cooked three meals a day. I say, I'm not that kind of mom. Sorry. This is, I'm the kind of mom who will drive you across country, stay gone for eight weeks, take you to Disneyland, do this, do that. I will go to another country and fight to bring you home when I adopt you, but I'm not going to make you pancakes and eggs every morning. I just am not that girl. (laughs) And that's awesome. And I, 
I say the exact same things to my kids because yeah. they'll be like, so-and-so's mom does this, so-and-so's mom does this. And I'm the same. I travel with my kids. I you know, We've stayed in an RV every summer for a few years. Like we do a lot of cool stuff. I have my strengths and weaknesses. Exactly. Embrace them like I do. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and I remind my kids of that too. But I think it has to start with knowing yourself. And I think mm-hmm. this often that I'm so glad I worked through these bigger feelings and have been able to talk myself out of feeling bad about having to work or mm-hmm. whatever, <laughs> like having to do anything. Oh no, just because now as the kids are older, when they say, that's not fair because so-and-so this, I'm like, know who I am. And no, it is fair because I do these things and they don't have to do those things and or whatever. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And and I think the other thing is because I had my oldest when I was very young, made so many mistakes. But on the other hand, I did some things good because I was young and I had a lot of energy. And then I had my last one old, a whole different story. And I've and I have seven, so it's my whole life. And I've evolved and changed and I've constantly tried to work on myself. And so there are things and that I did when I was a younger mom that now just don't matter to me and I've let them go. And so I would say my older kids and one of my sons, he's my podcast manager and editor and he's incredible. Thank you, Elias. He's edits this and he, he would say 100% that my younger kids are having a different experience in some ways because I allowed myself to grow and I've worked on myself. I can't, therapy is like the best thing I've ever done for myself as a woman, as a person, not just a mom, as a person. Because I think when you get pregnant, you become one almost with this little person. And it's very hard to pull yourself away from being one with that person forever. Like their feelings, their experiences, like you feel such big feelings alongside them, where I think is why we feel so much guilt and put so much pressure on ourselves that the decisions we make and the mistakes we make and all of those things are going to change everything. But the truth of the matter is, yes, they are. But it's also going to form that person, mistakes and all, form that person and make them who they are. And so I think that what I'm hoping all of you will be able to forgive yourself because you're going to screw up. You're going to make big mistakes and it's okay. It's really okay. (laughs) And I think it's even that in itself is a lesson of permission for our kids to grow up and make mistakes and do the best they can. And some days they're tired and some days they're cranky and some days they're angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're so human. Are we. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so are we sometimes. And I, I, I don't know if somebody told me that or if I was reading something, but it really put set this light bulb in my head of if you're only showing up every single day as this perfect, I'm so happy, I love you so much, and that type of person, you're almost teaching your kids that's all you can be. 
and you can't be angry or frustrated. And how do you work through the aftermath of those emotions? I I think that's a really important tip, Anna, because I remember someone saying to me, you want your kids to also make big mistakes while they're still living in your home so you can help them navigate those mistakes and the aftermath of those mistakes when they do. And trust me, for those of you guys with little ones, as you navigate the older years and the teenage years, there are going to be things that you're just like heartbroken over. But instead of looking at it that way, okay, how can I help them learn from this so it grows them as a person and they don't do it again, preferably. And I think that's important too. You're right. I have had friends who never saw their parents argue, who never saw their mom do anything but perfect little happy homemaker. And they have a really hard time navigating their own emotions. So that's important. Like my kids see me screw up and I apologize. And like I've had the conversation with Grayson, like I am going to be rude to you sometimes, just like you're rude to your sister and your friends sometimes, but I love you and we're going to make up and we'll move through that. And in fact, we had a little spat yesterday morning, like, and I'm like, you know what? This is a win because he was being a little stinker. I'll be real. (laughs) We just recently started homeschooling again. And he's number one, he's gifted and he's brilliant, which is very difficult to navigate sometimes. And so he, we had it out a little bit. And then I apologized because I didn't handle it well. I was emotional. I didn't sleep the night before. And so... (laughs) I apologized to him and he said something precocious, I can't remember, but I come into my office and he had made me breakfast on my desk and it was a plate of three apples and three oranges and a note that said, I love you, mom, turn over. And on the back, it said, (laughs) please enjoy. And I showed the girls in in, in Call Mama Society because I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this as a win because had I not been a little stink to my son, had we not had this little spat, had we not forgiven one another, I wouldn't have had that moment. And I can promise you I'll never forget walking into my office to this little gift on my desk and this note from him. And that's that's my big tip is these things happen, embrace them, find the good learn your lesson. Yeah. And even that situation, I've had a thousand situations like that with my kids. And even that situation, as you were saying it, it made me realize something about that process with my kids. When they're acting stinkers or naughty or rude or whatever it is, depending on their age, (laughs) that name changes. Yeah, however I identify it might change. (laughs) My best friend adopted a little boy and he was like three or four at the time. And I found the funniest card and inside it, it said something like the little asshole or something. And I was like, only your best friend can call your child a little asshole. Totally. (laughs) Maybe some family members that you love. (laughs) But whatever, however they're acting, we can have feelings about that. And when I'm annoyed with my kiddos and they're being naughty and I have feelings about it and I say, I'm just, you stressed me out. Like I was, I did all these interactions with you today that were, I was trying to be positive and, and you just kept 
pushing me away or you kept yelling at me, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> they like- and We're they, human. Yeah. And they see that like when I explain that to them and react to them and let them know that that wasn't okay, they're learning. Then they have to look inward about that. But if I'm just like super sugarcoating everything or acting, oh, that's fine, honey. Yeah. That's not real. Like you can't be like that all the time. Yeah. And I think it's all, it's so intertwined. We feel guilty if we react or have a big reaction to our bigger kids or whatever, but it's sometimes it's part of the learning process. And yeah, we're human too. (laughs) And they'll make mistakes and we're teaching them how to like self-talk and apologize and all of it, even our mistakes, they will learn from. I agree. And I think that's so important to, in the moment, remind yourself that each moment is a lesson for your children. This is growing them as a person and for you. And I love that you said that, giving yourself permission to like react to them. Like I tell my girls all the time, like those initial first weeks with your baby, there's so much guilt. And I find especially if you went through infertility or losses, then you have this baby and this baby is driving you insane because it's crying nonstop. It's pooping all over you. Your nipples hurt. You're not getting any sleep and you feel like anger towards the baby or whatever. Then you have guilt because you're like, I wanted this baby so bad. Like, what kind of monster am I? And I'm, I tell my mamas, no, like you're sleep deprived. You've got hormones flooding through you. And there's no one alive that if they invited a guest into their home and then the guest didn't stop yelling 24-7 and pooping on the floor or on them or staying up all night, they wouldn't have a little bit of strong emotions. So like, it's okay. They are a separate person from you and it's okay to have different emotions towards them and navigate those. And that's fine. It's normal. And you're not alone. We There are points in all of us that we feel like, God, I really don't like my kid right now, that it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yeah, I see the exact same thing with when it's been a journey for someone, they have this unrealistic expectation that they always have to be grateful. And they have to always show appreciation because some of their friends haven't been able to have kiddos yet or people that are on the same journey, they they realize how hard it is. But also just that expectation, I think what we imagine it to look like and then the reality of it, there's just like a really big disconnect. I think you imagine, oh, I'm going to just be so in love with my sweet baby and they're going to be so adorable they're going to look so cute in this outfit and I'm going to take them here and show them to these people. Imagine all these things, some of which are true, but Mm -hmm. there's also a ton of other mixed things in there that are hard. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I I love that you brought that up. I think that's so important. And my team and I, because we just got done with Fearless Birth Experience, we do this five-day free workshops. I teach a ton. I think I taught 18 hours altogether between lives and hanging out and and classes. And one of the things that, like I told you, that's become a huge surprise to us is this postpartum side of the membership. And there's something magical happening 
with this group of mamas and with my team because we're all moms, majority of us. And I was telling them, like I was meeting with my mamas. I went live in there and we were talking and I was like, I don't know how to explain this to these pregnant mamas who are attending Fearless Birth Experience that yes, because they're like, oh, I can't wait for the membership. I'll get the labor fat signal. I'll have access to a birth nurse and doulas and the, but then that, then I'll have the baby and that'll be that. I can't, I don't know how to explain to them that that that's when you really need us. That's when you really need your community. That's when you really need support because it doesn't always look the way you think it's going to look and it's hard and it's lonely. It's very isolating and there's many big emotions involved and I love my my postpartum girls. We meet every Thursday and They've connected in a way that I did not see coming, and it's just been really beautiful. And I don't know how to explain that to the outside. I don't know how to explain to pregnant moms what's coming, you know? I don't, Mm -mm. you can't. One of my best friends just had her first baby at 42, so we feel yeah <laughs> and and she has apologized to me like a hundred times <laughs> and I love her to death and yeah. I went to her birth as her doula and we visit her often but she's just oh my gosh I can't you just don't it. know what you don't know yeah I she's because she was a teacher and she is a teacher but you have all these feelings like oh I get it I'm a nanny or I get it I'm a a nurse, <laughs> or I get it, I'm a teacher, or I get it, I'm a doula. You don't. And I. It's so funny to me, too, because we have a lot of doulas on our team that don't have children yet. And every single one of them, after they have kids, tells me the same thing. Oh, my gosh, I wasn't as empathetic as I should have been. Like, I can't believe how hard this is. And it is. You can't. It's not something that you can teach somebody. It's like I put birth and having and raising a baby in that category of you really don't know until you've done it. (laughs) And there's not many things in life that you can't imagine yourself and like be empathetic about. But those are two that I'll stand true to that. (laughs) I I 100% believe it. And even each birth, because I've had six, each birth is so different. And I tell them all the time, that's your experience with that baby. And it can be so different than the other one. Like, it's just so amazing. I'm so glad that we had this conversation today. I think it's so important to talk about and to feel free to express to others like what you're going through, what you're feeling. Don't leave it just to have this dialogue inside your head. Like talk to a friend that you trust. If you have, if you're one of our members, talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. I'm sure that Anna's clients have the availability to talk to them and just don't try to navigate it alone. No, that's a huge myth and one of the things that I hear from families when they're struggling, it's probably the number one thing they say to me is, I thought that I had to do it by myself. Other families are doing it by themselves. And I'm like, they're actually not. <laughs> Everybody has to have support systems. And thank you for being such a huge support system to so many families. It It is so needed. Thank you so much for coming on today. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? 
Yeah, you can find me. Thank you also, Trish. But you can find me at Chicago Family Doulas. We, you can call me 312-765-3012 or email us at chicagofamilydoulas at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This is an important topic. If you haven't realized yet, moms are harsh. If you are a mama who shames other mamas, shame on you. It is not needed. We do it so much internally. This is why I am so passionate about Call Mama Society, my pregnancy and postpartum membership. If you don't know, you can get 30 days free inside of our mama membership when you join one of our birth classes, which we love to have you come alongside of us and us come alongside of you. I've got me and my doulas. We love you guys and we love supporting you. There's no mom guilt allowed. We're going to bolster you. We're going to educate you and we're going to support you. Okay. As always, I'll see you again next Friday. Bye for now.